0: Welcome to the Top Advisor Podcast, brought to you by Proud Mouse Pod Rocket Academy. I'm your host, Bill Cates, creator of the Cates Academy for Relationship Marketing. In each episode, I interview one of our industry's top performers, getting them to pass on their secrets to success to you, so that you can impact more lives and generate more income. Now, on to the show. Welcome, welcome. Before I get started, I want you to know about our on-demand video-based program that will allow you to learn almost everything I teach related to client acquisition, particularly referrals, introductions, communicating your value, and creating productive relationships with centers of influence. We offer listeners of Top Advisor Podcast a $200 membership fee reduction to the Academy. When you get a minute, head over to the thekatesacademy.com. The That's thekatesacademy.com. Use the coupon code TCA200, TCA200, all one word, and you'll save $200. You know, much of today's show will focus on the concept of bringing in younger clients into your book of business. Now, you know, younger is a relative term. To some, younger could mean working with a dreaded millennial generation. Well, this episode is not meant to be a treatise on on millennials and their money, but I would like to quote from a recent article in Forbes that says, a study shows that millennials will hold five times as much wealth as they have currently today. And the group is anticipated to inherit over $68 trillion from their baby boomer parents, by the year 2030, including my daughter, I should say. Uh, This will, well, maybe not by 2030. This will represent one of the largest wealth transfers in modern times. Uh, The article goes on to say, according to Wealth Engine data, there um, are already approximately 618 millennial millionaires, say that five times twice, millennial millionaires and they make up approximately 2% of the total US millionaire population. But the majority of millennial millionaires have a net worth that ranges from 1 million to 2.5 million uh, and fall between the ages of 34 and 37. But due to inheritance, inheritances, trusts, and estate planning, there'll be a steady flow of millennials get, uh, getting rich very soon. Uh, since the millennial generation, approximately 73 million total millennials, is smaller than the boomers they're inheriting, uh, that they're inheriting from, the wealth handed down will be highly concentrated. So probably the easiest way for an established advisor to meet younger clients, obviously, is through introductions from their parents. And over the last two years, I've interviewed or coached close to 100 advisors. And when it comes to meeting their, chil- their client's children, I get mixed reviews. Some advisors love the fact that serving the children in some way strengthens the overall family relationship, makes them more referable, and of course they capture the assets when the parents pass. Other advisors can't be bothered with these introductions. One advisor told me recently, my client's children don't want to work with their parents' advisor. Just kind of sloughed it off. I I think he's probably basing this mistaken belief on a very limited sample size of of, uh, children, right? That he's made a half baked attempt, probably to get to know. What I've learned is that while this is true for some, it's not an assumption on which you want to base the longevity of your business. So, one final point, and then I'll introduce you to our featured guest uh, to learn exactly what he's doing in this area. Millennials used to be criticized for jumping from one job to the next and not being responsible with their money. The research shows, however, as nearly 700,000 millennials age, they're getting married buying homes, and with that, they're getting more serious about their money. So in my humble opinion, ignoring this younger generation could prove detrimental to the long-term growth and health of your business. So this long rant of mine brings us to our featured guest, Ivy Johnson, CFP, CHFC. Ivy received his BS in financial uh, uh, finance, sorry, from Penn State University, uh, now a rival of my Maryland Terps. And has been recognized by the Global Blockchain Association and by uh, RIA DAC, RiaDAC R I A D A C for his proficiency in blockchain technology and digital assets. And my guess is the younger generation probably has their interest in that, for better or worse. He's also a member of the CNBC Financial Advisor Council, made up of twenty high-level financial professionals. Regularly contributes articles to. CNBC.com has been quoted in Investment News, Wall Street Journal, Black Enterprise, Money Magazine, Clip, Clip, Kiplinger's, it's easy for me to say, and other publications. Ivory is also the immediate past president of the 100 Black Men of Gender, in Washington, D.C., and received the Washington, D.C. Chamber of Commerce Nonprofit of the Year Award for the organization's mentoring and STEM programs throughout the city using his tenure as president. He is also the father of a 23-year-old son who graduated from Morehouse College with a degree in economics and is reportedly off the payroll. Uh, yeah, Ivory, good luck with that one. Um, <laughs> as a father of a 30-year-old, I don't know that they're ever off the payroll. I'm not even sure you know, when I got off my dad's uh, payroll, but Ivory Johnson, <laughs> welcome to Top Advisor Podcast. Thank you for having me. Well, It's great to have you here. I've been looking forward to this. I know you're a busy guy. Uh, before we get started, uh, with the main part of the, of the show, I want to create just a little context. Uh, please tell us a little bit about your business, how long you've been an advisor, just a little bit about your team structure of your business. So those who are listening, have a, have a feel a little more feel for who you are.
1: Well, I've got my series seven, uh, in, uh, 1989 to give you some perspective. I've been mm-hmm. an advisor for over 30 years. Got my CFP in 97, 98. Uh, so I've been doing this for a while. Um, I, I have I've had my own practice uh, where it's just you know it's my shingle uh, for over 10 years now. And by design, it is a small practice. I I outsource you know the admin and some of the other functions, you know, compliance of, of the business. So it's it's just me by design. I did that because I wanted a flexible business model uh, where I could create a, a flexible business schedule and do the things that, that, that bring me joy, but also have the capacity to serve my clients in a fashion I think best represents what their priorities are. Mm -hmm. uh, And I've been able to do that. And I make just as much money as I did when I worked for a company that had a billion dollars in the management running their financial planning department. So financially it's worked out and then the quality of life has been exceptional.
0: Yeah, I bet. So as, as we were preparing for this interview, you told me about two questions you ask your clients uh, questions that from my experience, most advisors don't ask. They're a little bit related, but also slightly different. So I want to go to each one. Uh, Question one is you ask many of your prospects and your clients, (laughs) what makes you happy? Right. Right. I I suspect some folks might be a little surprised with this question. You know, why do you ask this question? How do people react? What's the benefit for them and for you?
1: What, what, What I found is clients would come to an advisor and all they talk about is money. You know, mm-hmm. how, how do I retire? And they don't really know what they want to do when they retire. Um, and what struck me particularly was I had a client, very successful uh, executive, who who retired, and you know, we had a scheduled appointment, and and I thought this was going to be, you know, that that commercial where you know you see the financial advisor show up to their client's daughter's wedding, you know, and mm-hmm. say help them do this because we had done the long-term care planning and the estate planning, and he was comfortably retired. And here I was ready to pat myself on the back. And I asked him, so what 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 are you doing today? And he goes, well, I'm I'm, I'm woodworking. And I said, when did you start woodworking? (laughs) And he said, after I realized I was depressed, Mm. because what had happened is he went from the corner office, a a situation where when his children came, everybody had to be nice to them, right? And he went from the power broker to Bob and, you know, at home Depot looking for a three inch drill bit. <laughs> His whole persona had disappeared. He's now Bob with the khaki pants. Right. Mm-hmm. And it was devastating for him. And I realized that I'd never talked to him about what he would be doing on a 10 30 on a Wednesday morning after he retired. Mm. So I always ask people what, what's, you know, what makes you happy? Uh, Otherwise, what we do is in vain because they have a lot of money and they've never they're not enjoying
0: it. I I would suggest, too, that since money intersects all aspects of one's life, you can't hardly I don't know if you can name any part of one's life where money somehow isn't crossing there. Um, It really lets you serve them better, does it not? I mean, it's better for you, better for them um, by asking this. A related question uh but i know you have a little story around this one too you also ask your clients what gives your life purpose yeah all right now that was a a maslow's hierarchy uh top level question right (laughs) so why do you do this how do people respond uh and and as i interrupt myself here how soon in your relationships do you ask these types of questions
1: I ask these questions immediately, because Mm -hmm. I'm planning, this is what I'm planning for. This is the point of the the exercise. Mm -hmm. And many of these questions, I I had to ask myself, you mentioned, you know, the 100 black men, where Mm -hmm. we go into, you know, underserved areas, and we do STEM programs. And that gives me a sense of purpose, because my personal beliefs are, you know, I want to solve some of the problems in, in my community, as opposed to asking outside forces like what, what am I doing? To improve the lives of people who might look like me. And so Perfect. that gave me a tremendous sense of purpose. It was time consuming and it cost money, right? But <laughs> but but it was very seeing these kids get scholarship money and 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 graduate and do great things is is a tremendous sense of purpose. Yeah. And I had another client again, same thing. She millions of dollars. She had the SERPS, you know, the non-qualified plans, the golden parachutes, and and her job was killing her literally, it was beginning to affect her health. Mm-hmm. And she wouldn't leave because she was worried about her quality of life. And then we started talking about well, what, what would you like to do? You could wave a magic wand like Houdini, what would you do? And she said, Well, I'd, I'd like to do work with nonprofits for women. Well, now she took a year off and she's she sounds different. Mm. I mean, she sounds different on the phone. She's so light as compared to before we would talk and she'd have 15, 20 minutes to outline her life. And then it was like, I got to go back into meaning. meeting. I got to catch a plane. You,
0: you, you use the expression when we were preparing for this show that uh, it took her a year to, to thaw out. Yeah. I think that's a, that's a great way to say it. Right. And then sometimes I would think uh, as you'd ask these types of questions, some people are a little surprised Uh, Do they have trouble answering them or when they take a breath and and get into it are can they usually come up with these things that make them happy and what gives their life purpose or do you sometimes have to help guide them a little bit in that
1: area? A a lot of times you have to help guide them because Mm -hmm. no one's talked to them about this Mm -hmm. and it's through no fault of their own. We get up, we have to take care of the kids, we have to go to work, you come home, you prepare, just life happens so quick Mm -hmm. that we don't become introspective about these things and that's the role I think that advisors increasingly have and so you coax it out of them sometimes by asking them what do you do on vacation what do you do Mm -hmm. when you have a day off what what are some of your interests I I had a client who whose husband died and she didn't have a a, a big social network and I said what do you like to do she goes I you know I, I like to cook I said well why don't you take a cooking class she was like, I could teach the cooking class. <laughs> and so I said, oh, is that right? And so we started talking about going back to school, to, to culinary school, mm-hmm. uh, because then she can, she can find people who identify with some of the same passions that she has, build her social network. Uh, she didn't need the money, but it, it, it doesn't hurt, right? Where she can now maybe work in a restaurant. It might be something that she really enjoys. It's her, her passion. Mm-hmm. So now she's happier. She's living a more fulfilling life. And so that's just it's, it's a different approach. But clients seem to over time start to really appreciate uh, the fact that I care because what I'm saying to them is you matter to me. I care about you not just how much money you generate from my company. I care about you. Oh, you wanted to be a writer? Why not write a book, join a book club? Mm-hmm. It doesn't cost them any money. But it lets them know I care about them.
0: And I asked that early on. And you you said sometimes this conversation, <clears throat> you you start to talk to your to their children about this, mm-hmm. um, or and or encourage them to talk to their children. Tell me tell me a little more about that because it sounds like it's a it's a different way to get into relationship with the children by talking about mom and or dad's purpose in life, what makes them happy. Kids sometimes don't really really know these things, right? They just mm-hmm you know, have a different dynamic. So uh, talk about that, if you don't mind.
1: Yeah, the, the way I, I, I meet my clients, uh, children is number one, I, I start by asking them to prioritize what they're trying to accomplish. Is it you know, your retirement age? Is it the retirement lifestyle, your current lifestyle? Is it providing an education? Is it leaving generational wealth, philanthropic endeavors? Do you plan to take care of your parents? Right? And mm-hmm. if they say, well, it's really important that I retire at 55, I'll say, oh, so you're willing to spend less money now and in retirement to be able to do that. They go, well, wait a minute. You know? <laughs> so, but but, but you know, if, if I see that, they're, the, the, it's very telling when they say it's really important to leave generational wealth or it's really important that I pay for my child's education. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I get a sense of what that, what that is. And then when we go through the estate planning piece, I always ask, are your children responsible? That'll determine the type of language that goes into the trust. Do your children get along? You know, because if they don't get along, but in doing that, I start to get a sense of the relationship that they have with their children. And also you'll find sometimes um, clients are subsidizing their children's lifestyle, which is a red flag. And then I'll actually ask them would you like me to speak with your son or your daughter? Just, I'm not obviously charging them for that. Do you think it will be helpful if I have a conversation with them about some basic prerequisite financial planning concepts? Right. And that's a lot of times how I meet, you know, uh, clients, children as well.
0: Yeah. You know, related to this, I want to call our listeners attention to uh, a previous episode, our episode number three with Lester Matlock, where, uh, what Lester does, it's somewhat related to this. I wouldn't bring it up is he has what he calls his bucket list campaign, meaning he talks the way he brings this up with clients is talk to me about your bucket list. You know, it's a very concrete way to say it. Uh, Most people have some things they really want to make sure they do and don't regret similar idea. You know, what's valuable to you, what makes you happy, what's important to you, et cetera. So that's episode three with Lester Matlock Uh, back to Ivory. Um, So Ivory, you know, in in coaching a lot of clients, uh, interviewing advisors that are, you know, one of the things that a lot of folks talk to me about is helping their book get younger. Mm -hmm. That, you know, they they work with clients who are close to or ready to retire. They go into retirement. Assets are now now we're doing in the decumulation stage uh, in a lot of cases. So they need to bring a little youth and, and naturally, you know, children is, is one way to do that. So what, what motivated you? What drove you to uh, start thinking about uh, bringing in the, not just the children of your clients, but just making your practice a little younger along the way?
1: Well, well there's probably two reasons. Number one, uh, the clients as they get older, father time being undefeated, you know, you have clients that, that pass away. You also, as you alluded to, have clients who are taking money out of their accounts. So it's it's mm-hmm. it's not too difficult to realize. Oh, that my book is just through attrition is going away, and mm-hmm. I'm replacing it with referrals. But they're referring people generally in their same demographic. Uh, the The second part is when you deal with younger clients, it's it's more fun and rewarding in a sense that. I've already done the estate planning and long-term care planning for my existing clients. Mm-hmm. They've already done all the business succession planning. They already have the buy-sell agreements and, and, and things of that nature.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Younger clients don't. And so when you have a young business owner, you're like, did you do the SEP accounts yet? Uh, what would happen if you were to pass away? Who runs your business? Do you have these things in place? Do you have your guardianship papers? Do you, the, 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 the concepts I worked with the older clients 20 years ago, I'm now having those conversations with younger clients and it's, it's a lot more rewarding because it's not, it goes beyond the scope of this is what's happening with your portfolio.
0: Right. Right. And all of that, we know, is just so important, right? right? Mm -hmm. Um, They don't make those decisions and other people, you know, get hurt along the way, if you will. Um, So I know that it's, it's next to impossible, I think to do proper thorough quality, Financial planning and financial work with a client in a vacuum, meaning uh, your clients are making decisions, good or bad, that are affecting other people in their life. Certainly, their children, sometimes their parents, sometimes the siblings and other folks. Other people in their life are making decisions that could impact them, their parents, their children, <laughs> and other people, right? Um, so, I think really to make sense uh, and to do the best possible job, you really have to know who those other relationships are. Um, so I'm just curious for you, um, do you think in those terms, is it something a little more purposeful? Cause not all advisors are purposeful in that area. And, and then when do you start to look into those, t- those other relationships, be it children or other people? Well, that, it, does that make sense? That question? It,
1: it, it does. And, and that, that generally comes to, to mind when they're asking me for distributions to take care of, to bail out their children. Uh, okay, <laughs> because that lets me know that right. they have a child who's 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 not responsible financially, um, but is also codependent. And, mm. and it's the sort of thing that doesn't improve with time. And by by working with their children, it alleviates some of the burden on the parent because understand when a, when a parent has to keep bailing out an adult child there's a feeling of, not, maybe not shame, is shame might not be the right word, but they're disappointed, not in the child, but they start to judge themselves. Like, what did I do mm. to have this child who's not independent and standing on their own two feet? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's emotionally troublesome for a lot of, of parents. And if sure. you can alleviate that again, what's the most important thing in their life? Generally, it's their children. Yeah. So, so when you can alleviate that, that burden, it's not a financial burden so much as an emotional one. Remember, money is very, very emotional.
0: Of course. Yeah. And
1: so, so that's one of the things that, you know, that's the red flag when I see them making distributions for their, their children. If you can alleviate that, the children end up being much happier. And then as the parents start to leave money to the children as beneficiary, you then have that relationship with the child who's also responsible and not going to take the distribution that, you know, the inheritance, the inheritance and then withdraw it and start, and start spending it right away. They become a good client.
0: Right. You know, when you said, what's the most important thing, their children reminds me of my wife said when she had uh, through a previous marriage, had some uh, son grandchildren, she says, you know, I love my son, but I really love my grandchildren. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, in, in a minute, I, I want to hear what you might say to advisors who think that the children of their clients don't want to work with their parents' advisor, that they believe that working with the children, you know, brings very little ROI, if you will. Uh, but first, let's take a brief uh, pause to listen to a word from our sponsor who makes this podcast possible, and that's Pod Rocket Academy.
1: This podcast is sponsored by Proudmouth, the influence accelerators. Proud mouth. If you're like our clients, you want to spend more time educating people and less time selling. That's why we turn Main Street experts like you into trusted mainstream authorities. We help you amplify your influence over a growing audience of magnetically attracted fans who will chase you down instead. Visit Proudmouth.com to learn more. Be your own loud.
0: I want to let you know about some free resources that I invite you to retrieve after you've listened to this episode. You'll find checklists, guides, videos, and other tools. Simply go to referralcoach.com forward slash resources. That's referralcoach.com forward slash resources. Write this down, and unless you're driving. While you're there, make sure you sign up for our free weekly tips where we'll always be sharing best practices and we'll certainly notify you of our newest podcast interviews as they go live. And while these are free to you, I think you'll find them quite valuable. So, our featured guest today on Top Advisor Podcast is Ivory Johnson founder of the Lancey wealth management, uh, in DC Ivory based on that last response, I could call you Ivory Johnson, financial advisors, therapist, uh, <laughs> family therapist, child, who knows, right. I and mean, that we, is a, you know, piece of the job, right.
1: <laughs> we'd have to call friend first to see if they allow that.
0: <laughs> yes, of course. <laughs> well, I was working with a, a mortgage broker in, um, Australia actually on his value proposition. And he says, I'm a fun guy. I want to have fun. You know, how do I put that into my value prop? And, and so we talked a little bit and he came up with finally, he's, you know, people say, what do you do? He says, well, I'm a mortgage broker, but most of the fine, most of the time I'm a marriage counselor, uh, which <laughs> gets a laugh and, you know, creates a conversation. Okay. Uh, all right. Back to the uh, question again. Uh What would you uh, say to advisors? Uh, perhaps some of them listening right now, who think that children of their clients, you know, don't want to work with the parent advisor uh, or that it's just a waste of their time to be introduced uh, to the children. There's no ROI here. What do you think?
1: Uh, They might be correct. And and some of that they control.
0: Mm, So, So if you
1: think about the millennials and it's interesting, you alluded to it earlier that millennials are, are coined as being irresponsible and, 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 not managing their money well and don't want to go to work and and much of this criticism is coming from a generation that's been in charge of a government that ran up 30 trillion dollars in debt and and a federal reserve that's for the done financial engineering on the stock market for, for some time now mm-hmm, right and and you have these non millennials who are being criticized by this demographic at a time when college costs a staggering amount where they're suffering from student loans and and so they look upon us skeptically because they see us as having caused some hardships on them, mm. and then having a the colossal, unmitigated gall, right, to 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 criticize them. And so, as, as as an older advisor, what I would tell you is, don't be the older advisor that fits those stereotypes. Mm. One of the things that their your clients' children look at is, do you have a social media presence? It, millennials, if you don't have a social media presence, they don't consider you worthy of their time because nobody else does in their mind. I don't understand it, right? I don't understand how not having 500 Twitter followers can mean you're not important, but they do. So my advice would be create a social media presence. Uh, things like how you dress. You know, if you do a Zoom call with a 28-year-old client, or prospect, and you're suited up with the necktie and the and, and, and the cufflinks, they're not going to relate to you. Um, mm-hmm. Not having a virtual presence, because everything they do is virtual. So if you're expecting a 32-year-old junior exec to come to your office where, you know, Sheila can give them a cup of coffee and then Bob can bring them into the conference room. And then you can be there with your portfolio, taking notes with your power planner in in 1987. That was a great business model. Younger clients are not interested in that. They were interested in having a zoom call, having documents signed electronically and seeing video content of what you think is happening in the market. That's what they're interested in. And if you're not providing that, then it is a waste of your time.
0: So, What you're saying to me, a couple of things here I'm hearing, and I love your response. Number one, when you say, my clients or an advisor would say, my client's children don't want to work with me, their parents' advisor. Well, yeah, by how you're showing up. That's right. Yes, they don't. (laughs) Right. But if you took the time to nurture the relationship and some of these, what we might think are cosmetic things to us or not necessarily to them. And also, I guess just how you relate in general, uh, it could make a big difference and if you go in and perhaps coming from a non-judgmental teaching you know what's important to you, you know and then and you you wake them up a little bit to this stuff, right? Mm-hmm. just just teaching them about compounding interest and some of those basics that most people don't get taught, they might look on you a little bit differently and i I, I think the obvious benefit uh, it hasn't been stated yet is that you will capture those assets if you have a relationship with those people uh but you won't if you don't
1: that that's correct that's correct and 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 the interesting thing is younger clients they're more in touch with what they want to do mm. they're more in touch with the things that that give them a sense of empowerment and and by bringing it up, you're just reinforcing the fact that you're not the old stodgy advisor with the business suit on who's just okay. trying to make a quick buck by investing their money. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and you'd be surprised that a lot of these millennials are very responsible with their money. We know the statistics, right? Half of the people was, I think two thirds of people over 55 have less than $25,000 saved for retirement. Yeah, and so definitely. you have this younger generation who, who are pretty certain that they're not going to get social security. They know they're on their own. Mm-hmm. And as a consequence of that, they're more apt to the ones who are on the ball, save a lot more money. So they actually have more money than you might think. And
0: mm-hmm. they
1: become very good clients. And their earning potentials are pretty good. If they're, if they're a skilled worker in some of the STEM programs or in finance, they're, they're actually doing pretty well uh, and become very good clients. I,
0: I have a, cl- a colleague who uh, does a lot of research on the different generations. And he said, Thing about one of the things about millennials is, you know, some of the, the reputation of moving from one job to the other and all this sort of stuff, it's, it's deserved, but uh, part of it's a function of age. As they are getting older and as they are getting married, uh, maybe a little later than life, having kids a little later in life than previous generations, buying homes, they're starting to do the same things that other people, as they get older, start to focus on. So, uh, you know, as the millennials get older, Uh, they can be great clients. Uh, You mentioned this a little bit around social media and stuff. I'm wondering about engaging with these folks. Do they respond to the same things? Will they come to your office? Could they not be bothered coming to your office? Obviously, it's always good when you get together with someone in person and it's not purely virtual. Uh, Appreciation events, educational events, what are you seeing in terms of other ways of interacting with your younger clients?
1: younger clients I, I found they're not particularly interested in coming to the office and mm-hmm. you know and, and here's here's an interesting note is a lot of us have access to all of this research uh, mm-hmm. it's called our children it's, <laughs> so 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 a lot True. of times i will ask my son what he thinks hey i'm i'm thinking about doing an appreciation event at a at a winery and and in and, and he's not he might say that that we're not interested in that that mm-hmm. they're very cut and dry, get to the point so I can go back to living my life. Mm.
0: Yeah. My daughter, <laughs> I asked her if doing my own little anecdotal research, I said, uh, how much do you use email? She says, well, I use it for work. I said, okay, makes sense. Do you use it in your personal life? Uh, pretty much just with you, dad. Her <laughs> <Right. laughs> friends, it's, it's texting. Twitter, it's Twitter, texting, Twitter. Instagram, yep. you know, mm-hmm. all that. Ivory, other than introductions, from parents to children, which is an obvious place that we've been exploring. Uh, are there other things that that you're doing to bring in to meet younger clients, bring them into your practice when it's appropriate?
1: It's it's nothing that I planned. It wasn't part of a business model. It just mm-hmm. happened organically. Um, I'm the the uh, the investment manager for my my alumni association for my fraternity at, at mm-hmm. Penn State. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm the treasurer for my graduate chapter. So. In the, in the context of being on boards for nonprofit, the younger members who are 28, 29, they're starting to, to work and they've been hearing about me, right? Remember they're in college and they're saying, oh, there's a brother from our chapter who's on CNBC. So they celebrate the success of the organization, right? Sure, yeah. And and so when they start to have money, I'm in their mind already that they, they're familiar with who I am, I, I would go back to school, they've seen me donate money to different projects. So it's just natural for them to say, can you, can you help me as well? And so I'll get, I'll get a lot of clients that way, just organically by doing things that I'm passionate about, right? You can't, if you have a fist that's closed, you can't accept the blessing. Mm. And, and so sometimes just by giving and doing for others, you find that it comes back. And that's what I mean by this wasn't part of my business plan. This was just a function of doing things that make me happy and give me the sense of purpose to bring the conversation full circle.
0: And you don't always make a lot of money, at least on the front end of that. But if it brings you pleasure, happy, and I mean, you know, what's the price of that? Plus, eventually, you know, you're going to get these people saving, right? They're in the accumulation stage. Some of them, some of these younger folks, you know, start out pretty nice wage. Uh, they're also going to inherit money from others at some point, uh, etc. cetera. Um, but you also become
1: the guy. So if you're yeah. helping the 28 and the 32 year olds, after a while, the 50 year olds start to hear, oh, you know, let's talk to brother Johnson because he's helping some of the younger guys and they have more than $30,000 in the bank. Yeah, then okay. you start to get the million dollar accounts.
0: Yeah. Do you ever uh, get introduced or referred up from, in, in the sense, from, the, from your younger clients where you didn't know their parents to their parents? Does that happen much?
1: That'll happen if the parents are in trouble, right? If the parents have made a bad mm-hmm. decision, mm-hmm. you might be in cleanup role. Uh, mm-hmm. I've had a circumstance where a younger uh, member of my fraternity put me in touch with the investment community, committee for a nonprofit where he worked that turned into a big account so sometimes it's their employers or people they work with in other capacities
0: so as we kind of wind uh closer to the end here when it comes to either your business specifically or perhaps the industry in general i'd just like to know what are you optimistic about uh you know about your for yourself your clients for the business anything come to mind I'm
1: optimistic in, in the advent of technology allowing us to do business a different way. Mm. You know, so I was in Florida as a caretaker for my parents for, for a few months and I was able to do it because I have a laptop and, and a, a microphone <laughs> and a, <and> a ring <laughs> and a light. Uh, right. So it allows me to conduct business anywhere. It's borderless now, uh, which I think is incredibly exciting. And, and the second thing is, you know, because I love new technologies I'm interested, obviously, in digital assets and cryptocurrencies, right? So even mm-hmm. even though we were in what they call crypto winter right now, uh, you know, I, I'd remind people that, you know, uh, half of NASDAQ stocks are down 50% and a quarter of them are down 70% as well. So, mm-hmm. and the nice thing about, you know, digital assets, as, as I see this, you know, precipitous fall, is that business models that are not good business models are disappearing, which is a lot different than yes. what's happening in, in our markets where- you have these zombie companies that are only alive because they have access to cheap, cheap, cheap credit. It's mm-hmm. a very authentic business. And I'm interested to see what happens long-term uh, with Bitcoin as it becomes used as a, as a, as a, a means to transact business. There's $150 trillion of cross-border transactions. I think mm-hmm. at some point, businesses won't be interested in the, the swift network and delays and foreign currency fluctuations if they can press a button and send somebody Ripple. Uh, or, or there's, there's, there's no government that can take, take control of, of your assets through sanctions. Remember the United States just weaponized the U S dollar when they sanctioned all the oligarchs. So okay. imagine what Bill Gates would do if, if some com- com- country took all of Jamie diamond's money because they didn't like our foreign currency, what would he do? Mm. He'd probably, he'd probably find some way for that not to affect him. Yeah. So I'm, I'm interested in how that whole space will get regulated and, and 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 monetized and who's selling the picks and the shovels not just you know the people who have the gold that that to me is very interesting
0: yeah it's it's interesting how when times are quote unquote tough uh recession uh market volatility whatever it is it reveals bad business models it reveals bad marketing it reveals weak practices doesn't it it's like you can make money when things are going well, even with bad models. Uh, but when things get a little tough, then, you know, then the weaknesses show themselves. And that's why a lot of pe- people don't survive one way or the other.
1: Yeah. But, but they haven't. And that's that's what's interesting, is that the Fed has been bailing people out with special purpose vehicles and mm-hmm. loan facilities and quantitative easing and TARP and this, that, and the third. Mm. So we don't even know who the bad businesses are, which suggests <laughs> that there's a lot more of them than there should be.
0: Yeah, it's quite possible. Um, well, our featured guest today has been Ivory Johnson, uh, financial advisor, financial th- uh, advisor therapist for his families, uh, f- founder of the lancy wealth headquartered in, in uh, my hometown uh, beautiful washington dc uh, ivory thank you so much for being my guest on top advisor podcast it's been my pleasure uh, it's been our pleasure thank you if you haven't already uh done so head over to referralcoach.com forward slash resources uh, sign up for our weekly tips access a ton of free guides scripts etc And don't forget to check out the Cates Academy for Relationship Marketing. Go to thecatesacademy.com and use the coupon code TCA200, one word, TCA200, and you'll save $200. This is Bill Cates reminding you that ideas do not make you more successful. Only acting on those ideas will bring you the success that you desire. Thanks for being with us today. Thank you for listening to the Top Advisor Podcast, brought to you by Proud Mouse Pod Rocket Academy. I encourage you to visit my website, referralcoach.com, for links to my books, online courses, and to register for the Cates Academy.